Hello again and welcome back. My name is Paul Boag and you're listening to Digital Insights, a podcast about all aspects of user experience design. Today I want to talk to you about client feedback because whether you work in-house or for an agency, one of the most challenging aspects of our role as user experience or user interface designers is handling client feedback, isn't it? Without careful management, you can find yourself caught in revision hell and this process of endless iteration doesn't just cost you time and money, it also undermines the client's confidence in your ability to deliver. Fortunately, we can avoid this scenario by carefully managing how we gather client feedback. And I feel like after 25 years, I finally achieved this through adopting a four-step process that I want to share with you in this podcast. These steps are preparing the ground, asking the right questions, collecting the feedback in the right kind of way, and resolving disagreements through testing. So let's explore each of these steps in turn, beginning with preparing the ground for client feedback. You see, the process of managing client feedback begins at the very start of your project by laying a solid foundation for the work you're gonna do with your clients, you can avoid much of the conflict that arises when they provide feedback on your design. That's because a client doesn't necessarily understand their role in regards to providing feedback. They don't know how to assess a design and so what they do is they fall back on their personal opinion. That can in part be avoided by briefing your client on how they can contribute to the design process. For example, when a client provides feedback, they often express it as a solution rather than an underlying problem. In other words, they'll say something like, can you change the blue to pink, rather than telling you that they're concerned that the blue doesn't appeal to their preteen audience. It is therefore worth explaining to the client up front that although they're welcome to recommend solutions, they should also always express the underlying problem, otherwise you're not going to be able to offer an alternative and potentially better solution. Another aspect of the client's role that's worth defining is their focus. When I first talk to my clients, I provide them with some guidance on what they should be considering throughout the project. I encourage them to think of themselves as champions of the business objectives and the customer needs. I do this to help them look beyond their personal opinions and instead focus on what matters most for the success of the project. By having these conversations up front, it provides me with an opportunity to remind them later when they start suggesting solutions based on their personal opinion. However, it's not just the role of the client that needs defining up front. We also need to define what success looks like. Let's be honest, any design is subjective. What I find visually appealing is not not what you're going to find visually uh, appealing, and that is ultimately going to lead to disagreement. So to avoid this problem, before the client provides any feedback, we need to clearly define how we're going to assess the performance of a design. The obvious starting point is for us to have a set of business objectives that we're hoping the design will fulfill. However, this should only be the beginning. First, those business objectives will need to be prioritized. All too often, you will receive mixed messages from stakeholders in the feedback they provide because they've got different perspectives on priorities. And by resolving this issue up front, it's going to avoid a lot of revisions further down the line. Second, 
those business objectives need to be translated into measurable calls to action. Otherwise, any objective set are nothing more than vague goals, allowing for a lot of subjectivity into how they translate into the design. By deciding what calls to action have to appear in the design up front and their relative importance is going to save you a lot of debate down the line. However, we shouldn't just be focusing on business objectives when defining success. We also obviously need to consider the user. And I find it incredibly helpful to have a clearly defined, prioritized list of different audiences before I begin designing. Insisting on prioritization helps the client understand that you can't design for everybody equally. If you try to design for everybody, you end up simply designing for nobody. A prioritized list means that you can design for your primary audience while ensuring your secondary audiences are not overlooked or alienated. With that clear idea of what success looks like, you can now turn your attention to more subjective areas such as aesthetics. Before leaping into creating a design, it's important to establish the aesthetic feel that you're aiming for. Designers do this in a variety of ways, including mood boards, style tiles, and reviewing other websites. However, whatever approach you adopt, I would also recommend you create a list of keywords that you want the end user to think of when they see the design. Establishing this at the start of the project is gonna prove invaluable when the client feedback suggests that the design aesthetic is wrong in some way. When the client makes a vague statement like, it just doesn't pop or it doesn't wow me, you can refocus the conversation back onto the brand keywords and even test against them if required to see if users do associate the design with the words you chose. If they do, then you've got proof that you've fulfilled the brief, whatever vague feedback the client provides. However, all the preparation in the world is not gonna avoid having to present the design and then gather some client feedback. So when that moment comes, asking for the feedback in the right way is crucial, which brings me on to my second step. Ask for the right kind of client feedback. The single biggest mistake people make when asking for client feedback is to ask them, what do you think? Asking for feedback in this way is just too vague and encourages the client to fall back on their personal opinion of a design. If we want quality feedback, um, that can actually help improve the design, then we need to ask quality questions of the client. Questions that focus the client on the right things to consider when assessing the design. So for me, these questions are things like, do you feel the design reflects the brand keywords we established at the start of the project? And if not, what areas are of particular concern? Or is the design in line with previous mood boards, wireframes, and design assets that we produced together? If not, please explain where you feel I've missed something or changed something. I also tend to ask, based on your experience with your customers, do you feel we've prioritized the needs of our primary audience while avoiding alienating secondary audiences? Again, if not, what exactly are the areas of concern? And finally, I normally ask, do you believe that the design gives adequate attention to primary calls to action through the use of positioning, color, size, and negative space? If not, which calls to action are underperforming and why? Notice how each of these questions relates to an area that we've covered at the start of the project when we prepared things up front. They're designed to keep the client focused on, what, on the agreed objectives and not get swayed by their personal preference. 
Moreover, the questions are specific, forcing the client to articulate why they feel the design is failing in terms of tangible problems, not vague feelings. I've found that by asking feedback in this way, it can often lead to a client approving a design that they might not personally like. And that's because when considering their answers, they realized that it's the right solution despite their personal dislike of it. However, taking the pain out of the client feedback is not just about asking the right questions. It's also about gathering the feedback in the right way, which is step three, collect client feedback in the right way. Understandably, many designers get frustrated and overwhelmed dealing with client feedback. If a project has many stakeholders, which most of them seem to do, it can feel like a full-time job wading through all the comments you get back. As a result, many designers ask for a single point of contact who collates all the feedback and sends them a definitive list of changes. However, in my opinion, this is a big mistake because it means you lose control and the opportunity to discuss the feedback. Whether your client collates the feedback or a project manager does that for you, it means you don't get to see a lot of the discussion and debate that happens, and that has two consequences. First, it means you don't get a say in those discussions, and by the time you hear about the decision, it's set in stone because it took a lot of debate to come to that conclusion, and nobody wants to repeat that. So it's too late to make the changes. Second, you don't understand why the changes have been requested and so you can't make informed recommendations even if the client was willing to change. So I highly recommend allowing all stakeholders to feedback directly to you. Not only does it allow you to participate in the discussion, but it also puts you in control because you're the only person with all of the feedback. Allowing you to pick and choose what feedback you then decide to act upon. Of course, managing all this feedback can feel painful as you sink under the weight of long email chains and phone calls with multiple stakeholders. Then there's the problem that the feedback you do get is often vague and confusing. Fortunately, it really doesn't need to be that challenging as long as you have the right tool for the job. One tool I recommend is Bugherd, who actually is sponsoring this podcast. With their tool, your client and other stakeholders can feedback directly alongside the design with their point and click interface. Effectively adds a transparent layer over your design or prototype where the client can add their feedback. It also has the advantage of being a great bug tracking tool, as well as allowing you to create a list of the fixes that you need to make. The advantage of using a tool like Bugherd is that it ensures stakeholders feel their feedback is being heard and considered. However, whatever mechanism you use for gathering client feedback, don't feel that you need to see that feedback as set in stone. You don't need to implement all the requests made of you. Instead, you use them as a starting point for discussion. Which brings me on to step four, how to respond to negative feedback. It's easy to feel threatened by client feedback, seeing it as a personal criticism and that it takes control away from us as designers. However, even if it is meant to do those things, we cannot allow ourselves to get combative over it. Avoid arguing with clients and certainly don't dismiss or ignore their comments. Instead, discuss them, ask questions and seek to understand the thinking behind the feedback. If you do still disagree, feel free to express your viewpoint, but do so while acknowledging that they, you might be wrong and so might they. 
suggests that neither of you can be sure about the right way forward and that the only way to be sure will be to test. Testing is ultimately the best way of resolving any disagreement over client feedback and doesn't need to be time-consuming or expensive. If you build testing into your process, there's really no need to fear client feedback, especially if you're managing it effectively.